Right, this is Jared again with Lefty's Precision Rifle Podcast. It's episode 14. I've got Ryan and Becca Kymig back on with me, and we're actually going to do two post-match reports. So first one's going to be Clay's Cartridge Company, and we'll talk about what they liked about that. And then we'll talk about the KPRC team match at Twin Peaks. So first, Ryan, Becca, thanks for coming on. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I was just telling you earlier, I didn't mean to Debo your weekend, but I really appreciate you guys, you guys coming on and helping out. So first, we won't go through the whole introductions again. We just, we had you on a couple episodes, but if you guys would go through and just let us know what you're, what caliber you're shooting. And I got a couple questions for you about, about that. Yeah, we're uh, both just shooting a uh, six dasher. Um, I had to start with six, five, 47 at the beginning of the year, but went back to dasher. And like Ryan said, I shoot dasher and that's what I've always done for you know, past three seasons, I guess. Yeah, I would. I wish I was stuck with. <laughs> we talked about that last time, I think, too. That I wish I would have just picked one, and stuck with it. But anyway, and you guys are basically running the same setup, other than than stocks, correct? In terms yeah, of gear? I, I guess you have a different um, break. Right. Yeah, I guess I do have the Gen Three Little Bastard, <clears throat> and you, uh, Rebecca, runs an impact break. Okay, but you guys run a Night Forces. Yep. Yep. Uh, foundation in McMillan. Uh, Hawkins bottom metal. Yep. And a trigger tech diamond trigger. All right. What, yeah. what, did you guys, we talked about this last time off camera, so I won't go into a bunch of, but you guys basically run your own. Are you guys running anything the same as far as brass, bullet, powders, charges? Are you guys running the same or are you guys running separate on that as well? I would say we run separate. So I do my own reloading. I use the um, SMKs at 107 grain, and um, I've got you know 2,000 of those over there that I use. Um, we keep our brass separate, so my brass actually has about 11 firings. Um, we use the same primers, of course, and we share powder. But when it comes down to um, reloading, Ryan helps me, but I'm responsible for annealing my brass, um, sizing it, just making sure, you know, keeping it on track and, and knowing where it's at and being ready for um, reloading. And um, what else? Yeah. Um, our powder charges are a little different okay, yeah. as well. Um, so we have to reset the uh, little auto trickler yeah, thing, so but it's not much you. different. So how, <laughs> much, how much, how many grains do you use? I think I use like 32.06 is about where I have mindset. Too. Okay. And I use 32 point uh, or 32.1, which is like, Hardly anything. Yeah, just <laughs> enough difference. And then yeah. what's your speed? Um, so I'm about 2880, but yeah, between 2860, 2880, numbers haven't been that great lately. So. And then I'm like 2910. So. Dang. So what barrels are you guys using? That's You're using just a little bit more, but that's quite a bit more speed there. What Are you guys using the same barrel manufacturer? Uh, we're both using Bartland. Bartland, yeah. yeah. And with the 5R. Um, yeah, one in 7.5 twist. Um, but I'm using Burger 109 bullets, oh, yeah. and she's using uh, 107 SMKs. Um, because I don't know, I had heard earlier on in the year people were complaining a little bit about, um, like the BC inconsistency with the SMKs with the newer lots of the 107 SMK. So I was a little concerned, so um, I didn't want to burn through the stuff we had. Mm -hmm. um, so Figured I'd let Rebecca have those, just keep on keeping on. And I just, just tried the burgers and they've been good. 
Yeah, that's what that's what I'm going to the 109s. I've talked about that. And that's what I want to try and give is what everything I've seen so far. People are in the sweet spot, like 2850 to 2880, 2890, maybe at the highest. Mm-hmm. So that's what. And you guys, you guys have been shooting quite a while, so you're probably shooting Lapua sized Lapua brass. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we always send our brass off to have a hydroform just because it's, I don't know, doing the numbers. I think if you were to fire form, I think it breaks even just about. But oh, on this flip just side, pay someone else to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> save yeah. your time, you know. Yeah, see, that's what I was worried. So I bought that, you know, 500 round box of, or piece box of Alpha. Well, now I'm hearing about pressure issues. And I'm, yeah, I was at the same point as if I, I wanted to buy at least 500 rounds or 500 pieces, but then yeah, fire forming, then I'm 500, you know, almost a quarter, if not more of barrel life. Yeah. Fire forming, then you're onto a different barrel and then you get the people saying it's expendable anyway. So just do it. But it still <laughs> seems like it's running the numbers in my head. like, Oh man, that hurts. That hurts the wallet doing that piece. But yeah, you guys are, you guys are pretty deep into it now. You guys have been shooting it a while. So that's probably the way I should have went. We'll see. Come next weekend, I'm going to try and get out and at least start shooting the dasher a little bit. So cool. I think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy going. Yeah. Yeah. I like the BR, but I want some more speed. So, and of course, I'm not all about the speed, but I want to shoot the, a little bit heavier bullets. I heard about the, the advantage of the 109s over the 105s that I'm shooting now and with a little better speed. We'll see what, we'll see what happens, but we'll go with it. I'll let you know what happens. You guys will be around, I'm sure, whenever I'm. Yeah. Enjoying it or not. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, the main reason we got on here, I always get off topic. You guys shot the Clay's Cartridge Company NRL match. Yes. So it's been a, been a couple weekends ago now. Yeah, that was September 19th and 20th. And um, kind of the, would you call it Levy, Oklahoma yep. area? Yeah. Um, I had never been back down there, but just looking at the map, because I was going to RO it. Or RO, it might have been his PRS match earlier in the year, and then the military cut me off. I couldn't really travel around that much, even to Oklahoma. So I wasn't able to to RO that one. But, yeah, it didn't look like there was a whole lot around is what I was trying to get at. <laughs> Just trying to find a hotel room or something down there. It looked pretty sparse. It is. Um, I think the next biggest city is Elk City, which is about 30 minutes south of Leedy. But um, it's still really pretty country. It's, you know – not being a Midwest person, I would have never thought that that part of Oklahoma would be as pretty pretty as it is. Yeah. So what did you guys do as far as travel? Did you guys travel back and forth each night or did you guys get a hotel room? We rented a little house. Um, oh, yeah? So that makes it easy for us as far as, you know, bringing in all our rifles. Um, sometimes we feel weird about staying in a hotel and you're bringing all your crap in. <laughs> um, and I do enjoy, like, kind of – cooking, getting things ready in the morning. We'll have like oatmeal and eggs or something. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. And um, so we rent a little house in Leedy, which made it maybe like 10 minutes from the range. So, you know, pretty, pretty quick to get going in the morning. Yeah. See, I've, I've thought about that too. Even the one day matches where I'm driving, you know, up to Northern Kansas, it's two hours, two and a half hours from here. Do that two days. I don't, I'd like to talk to somebody trying to get them on here just about your the mental preparedness because by the time you shoot all day and then drive two hours home and then drive, you know, two hours back, even if it's only two hours, I think it definitely play a, play a part on you that second day for sure. Yeah. 
two hours might be the kind of the cutoff on that. I mean, we drove home each night after um, the Box Canyon showdown, um, and that was an hour and a half. And but that felt comfortable. But I'm not sure. We've never done anything yeah, outside taking, of that. Yeah. But like, if there's a one day match, and we've done a few one day matches for like Border Wars, um, kind of if it exceeds that three and a half to four hour drive time, we'll we'll kind of go the night before and and stay stay somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that'd be interesting. I wouldn't want to do it to test it out on on my own. I'd ask somebody else that's already done it. But yeah, it seems like yeah, that two hour mark. I that's what I was trying to make my mark is when I I want to do two days next year and two hours would be about the max. Yeah, I think we get so. we get pretty lucky in the Midwest that we have quite a few that we could do two days here in Kansas or Oklahoma that we could actually probably stay within that. Yeah, that two hour. We do definitely. All right, so Clay's Cartridge Company, NRL match. And you'll have to explain them to me because I wasn't at okay. the stages because I wasn't at the, uh, the RO this time like we were last time. Sure, so I have my range book in front of me. I try to keep good notes so that I can reference it back. Um, so the temperature on both days, we were kind of the high got into the mid 80s. So it was really a great temperature for shooting. It was nice and cool in the morning. And of course it warmed up. And um, both days, um, you know, in the morning, the winds are like, pretty much nothing and literally. literally nothing in the morning. And then it kind of ramps up to about 15 miles an hour. And um, the winds were coming from the South both days. And um, they said it was unprecedented. They've never seen as little wind as we had seen that day. Yeah. Like <laughs> both those days, they said it was <laughs> insane. That's what I was going to say. 15 mile an hour in Oklahoma doesn't sound like it was and in the morning literally nothing like i never really believed in spin drift you know honestly <laughs> like i was like oh you know I'm, i know people talk about it and it's in the calculator but i never have it turned on but it was so there's so little wind like you could definitely see it and play it back so wow. i turned it on my faylock after after sunday <laughs> yeah <laughs> so which the wind was coming out of the south but which direction were you guys shooting majority of the time or was it did you guys switch up a lot uh we switched up a lot so on like day two anyways for me i started shooting south and um then we worked our way around so yeah the east. range basically has a 180 on yeah. it correct kind of like an l shape in a way an l shape type where how the stagers are set up so the property you're shooting on belongs to clay's family and it, it's operational as a you know pasture for cattle and then i think they do some you know uh dry dry crops there or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, so you kind of have, it's kind of hard to explain. I don't know. Well, I guess you start shooting. If you start on stage one, you start shooting that was, south. That was day one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Depending on where you start, but <laughs> and then you just work your way around to the shooting east. Correct. All right. So you had, so you definitely had to play with the wind. You weren't shooting the same direction. For like sure. some of the some of the ranges that we've been yeah yeah Absolutely. you had to think about where your where your 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 standing your location and where your targets are you had definitely had to think about it and then even once you got over to the east side some of those stages would shoot back south they're like southeast again so you get that headwind you know yeah uh, so yeah so you guys definitely well not big numbers on wind but you're still dealing with wind right right what was interesting like. I feel like every other stage they tried to make it to where it was like a long range followed by a positional, positional, the mm -hmm. long range positional. So um, you weren't, you know, 
you couldn't get too lucky in a way. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you guys have the infamous uh, Oklahoma troop lines? Were there a lot of troop lines? There were a lot of yeah, troop lines. There's yeah, there's a lot of dope card writing. Bring this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but there wasn't any like of the official Oklahoma troop line, you know, where we all lay down at the same time and shooter oh. one shoots, then shooter two. Yeah, yeah. get blasted by the next guy's yeah. <laughs> muzzle break. Yeah. Yeah, none of that. So. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to find my notes where we started on day one, Ryan. 13. Okay. We, we started on stage 13 on day one. And what's interesting is that day. Okay. So the range book has 20 stages. Day one, we did all odd numbered stages. <laughs> oh, okay. So started from 13 and then 15. Correct. And then 17. So the lesson learned there that to everyone listening would be, be prepared. Um, we heard some guys, well, I only put stages one through 10 in my blank, you know, fill in the blank. So luckily the night before we're like, oh, let's just do all 20. So we had all 100 or 120 built into our stray lock. So you just never know, like, especially in the two days matches, what the MD is going to do. It's kind of a wild card. So be prepared when you're writing out your stages. Yeah, so you guys do basically your dope cards, whatever, just with the uh, yardages. You guys don't obviously don't put any dope in yet, but just the yardages the night before or the day before or whatever. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we entered like on the stray lock, there's the multi target thing. So we just put in a new location for Correct. like NRL plays match or whatever, and then just fill in like one through 20. And you can put, I put like the little stage description, like stage 14, tricky TYL, and then the yardages, you know. Yeah, good good call. See, I've, I've heard of people doing that. I usually do it. I make out, well, I just use little uh, note cards. Hmm. And I can tape them on or I can do whatever. But, but yeah, I've heard of people doing it and I've heard of people not doing it. And I guess there's arguments for both sides. But especially something like that, yeah, if you thought you were doing one through ten, like most of the time. Yeah. And that could have really, yeah, it knocks you out of your game and out of your, you know, out of your game plan. Yeah, I got more of that story later on. So. <laughs> All right, we'll definitely have to get into that then. Yes. So your your favorite stage, and like I said, you'll have to explain it to me, but your favorite stage from day one. So we'll go over day one. Uh, and Ryan, I was asking Ryan before we started, and I'm like, well, what was your favorite stage? Because I, I, I think that Tate and Clay did such a great job of balancing all of the stages that there was not – I couldn't say that I hated one more than the other, and I feel like they were all fun – um everything was very mental i felt like you couldn't really just zone out for the most part you know like you're always moving and there's like pretty much always multiple targets and always things to like really keep track of um, i don't i've i've heard clay and tate both talk on different podcasts with different folks that yeah they don't they don't like the idea of someone in the morning that usually doesn't have any wind getting lucky compared to someone that comes around to that stage in the afternoon. So it seems like they, at least they've said that they try to set that stuff up to where there is multiple targets or whatever, or there's not any real, well, they've also, they talk more about, there's not like a meatball stage that, you know, 90% of the people are going to clean. And then you're going to go to one that 90% of the people are going to get a two or a three on. They like to keep somewhere fair and in the middle, the good shooters are going to have the chance at cleaning it, but yet, the newer shooters are going to get their fours, five, sixes, whatever on them. I, I agree with that. Yeah. 
There were some complaints because the wind was so low. Like there were a lot of cleans, I think, and the, the numbers were pretty high. Um, but the targets were still a good size. You know, I don't think, I think Tate said no targets were more than two MOA. Something yeah, like that's that. right. So even though they may have felt big because the wind was so low, it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess, so we were talking about Good. like the favorite stages and things. Um, <clears throat> there's a stage that I didn't really think I liked, but looking back on oh, it, really? I was like, I think maybe I did like oh, that cool. just because like there was a, just so much like a mental side to it. Okay. And if you miss, you really screw yourself. So it's called the stage eight, uh, brutal barricade. And it's going to be a little hard to describe. So do you, do we have time to just read the stage description? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah of okay. course. Um, so stage eight, the brutal barricade, um, you have engaged, uh, we have five targets at 450, 530, 450, 530, and 350. Um, and so like it says, it's a barricade. Engage 10 rounds from the five barricade positions. One position may be used twice, but not consecutively. From the start position, shooter will engage the five targets. You must hit twice to move on, keywords, from the five different positions. The positions may be shot in any order, either the top or the bottom, um, depending on shooter preference, and the shooter will start port arms, um, and it goes on. And, and that stage was, stage was actually used as a tiebreaker. So, and also paying attention, like as a shooter, even though it wasn't written in the course of fire here, um, the RO said, and maybe Ryan will have to catch me or if you want to jump in. Um, the key is you must move twice, or you must hit twice to move on. You had to move your position after two shots, two shots regardless. regardless. But if you miss the target, you had to re-engage, re-engage it? Yeah, from that mixed position. Right. Oh boy, that's a lot, <laughs> of, a lot going on there. It's, there's a, and what's even crazier is the targets, there is a huge span uh, from like, so like when you transition from the 450 to the 530, it's probably like oh. uh, 90 degrees almost. Well, maybe not quite 90, maybe like 70 degrees of movement. Dang. <laughs> so if you screwed up in the beginning and you missed, you would have to keep track of when to move your position in what target you're on. It just would line up awkwardly. So I'm not sure if you, it's still confusing today, <laughs> but I mean, even important is like, I had to ask the RO three times. Now, what was this again? Because it's not like written in black and white on the matchbook. So I think that's good because it gives the MD flexibility. So that was um, the start of day two was this barricade stage. And, you know, like as Ryan was saying on day one, the winds were so low, there was a lot of um, high percentages. So the way that the matchbook was written gave the MD flexibility to build in those mental, um, mental agility, I guess, and could really, um, I, guess, I guess, separate the shooters. Yeah. Yeah. That one. So how did you, did you make a little note on your dope card to move or like, was it just <laughs> something upstairs? You just tried to keep track, but it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like I would have been lost. Yeah. Well, cause like you couldn't really make a note to move cause like you might be moving depending on what targets you hit or didn't hit. So like, uh -huh. so at the first distance 450, if I would have hit missed, 
I still would have been on the 450 on my next position. Right. Uh, oh, man. So, so I was like, just think, just don't miss, please. <laughs> <Just> don't <laughs> miss. Well, yeah, it's that easy. Just don't I, miss. And, you're so, and I didn't. I cleaned it. Thank God. I, I cleaned it too. Thank God. And I mean, it is like you said, Jared, upstairs, I was like locked in. I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, and they, yeah, you had to. That's one of those where take the extra time to make sure you're steady because – if you, exactly. if you get off rhythm, you're. And it was a tiebreaker. Tie so <laughs> I think I did in like 89 seconds. I think I did mine in about 99 seconds. And um, that day I wrote my, my wind was straight up. So that would be in my first day on day two. It was not Ryan. We got separated on day oh, two. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. They split. So you went to different squads on purpose or they, they lose some people after day one. So they move people around or. Uh, so what they did actually is like they took your ranking um, on day two and uh, created squads based on where you're ranked at. I see. So they so did kind of like a finale type of. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. What do you guys think about that? I liked it. I liked it too. It's kind of nice to freshen it up and just kind of, it's almost like random squatting in a way, you know, like it gives you an opportunity to shoot with people you don't typically shoot with. Yeah. At least for me anyway so um for for me i i liked it i felt like it was like being in the cl class with the kids with the same grade as you or something <laughs> i don't know um you know you're kind of speaking the same language um everyone's pretty much on the same page because of course you kind of shot the same score on day one um so with us being separated it's it's not a big deal i think you were on squad one and i was on squad four yeah and um we're just kind of see at the end of the day. Yeah, good right. shooting. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that sounds cool. Like we've talked about, well, you, some people call them super squads or whatever, but I think it, I personally think it probably evens up the game a little bit, especially when you got people that shoot with each other, which most of the people that you're thinking about that I'm thinking about to shoot together are going to be in that squad one, squad two anyway, because they're, they're just all around good shooters to begin with. But like you're saying, Beckett, it kind of, it puts you with your competition. So it's either you, you like the competition piece and you're right there shooting against the people that you're bouncing back and forth with, or you might be upset because you're not shooting with the same old folks, but I don't know. I think it'd be pretty interesting. I, I think it'd be a neat, a neat match to shoot that way. I didn't realize they had done that. I didn't see that on any of the social media or anything else that, no. that they had mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, so Ryan was on the super squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you end up, we haven't got to it yet, but you end up finishing pretty good, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Do yeah. We, <laughs> did we any any of your worst stages? Anything like you just didn't like? Like that? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Did you have a worse? <laughs> you're shooting the super squad. Did you have a? Did you have a bad stage? Well, so like that's kind of where it goes back to the stage numbering and how I got kind of messed up. So I was shooting extremely good on day two. Like there's only two stages left, and I was only down like I think eight points all day. Dang, nice. And um, Becca's shaking her head. I know. Yeah. And then Rebecca's texting me like, I just got a zero. Oh I my had God, a I'm hard on. time on, I don't know. Well, Ryan's flipping. I guess I can talk about my day two. My day two was going great. I was cleaning stages. I don't necessarily keep track of how many points I was down, but it was just interesting back to the wind was, you know, in the morning, there's no wind and I'm, you know, cleaning stages, which is great. And then kind of towards the end of the day, we're coming, we're, I'm wrapping around and coming towards the south side of the range and the wind is coming through to the south so i'm this is like 
stage one or stage two, I guess, um, day two, and it's a troop and it kind of goes out. It's not a crazy distance or anything. I think Ryan cleaned it in the morning because that's where you started. But, you know, I'm coming towards the end of the day. And golly, I'm first shooter and it's a freaking headwind. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, the guys are great. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you're the sacrificial lamb here. I go get some. And, and you know, I laid down and I got a zero. Oh, um, man. It's just was that headwind that, you know, you're, you're dancing side to side and you just really don't know what to do. Some of the targets don't, I mean, they're on T posts in the middle of a field. So you do the best you can to try to figure out what's going on down there. But it was like really sad. <laughs> I get off the line and it's just like silence. You know, <laughs> yeah. everyone just feels bad for you. You're like, Oh, Oh man. Yeah. That's, so what, do you, I, what do you say? So I just put my stuff away and I just kind of, try to, you know, uh, let it go, try not to, to let it weigh on me, but it did. I mentally, I wasn't able to recover from that. And the next stage I got like a three and I didn't dial. So it was, um, getting that zero, um, kind of, I really beat myself up over that and lost some points going forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we talk about trying to have a short memory, but it's, it's perfect when I sit here and I can say it and, yeah. and talk about it, like have a short memory. Don't worry about the last, but it is always in the back of your head, like, man, I got to make up for that. And then you put more pressure on yourself or you're still just down from the previous one. So I had really good squad mates. And then after everyone was done shooting, I asked my squad mates, so what did you guys think was going on down there? What, you know, kind of try to talk to them because they did better. People did better. Um, And it was, even though, you know, we want to have a short memory, but I think at the same time, it's good to have those stages that do burn that hole in your memory. Because if I lay down prone again and I have a headwind, um, I did not read the mirage in my scope that could have really helped me. And that's what one of my squad mates told me that he did. He's like, you know, every stage day one and day two was two minutes. So a prone position with top five targets, 10 impacts. I had plenty of time to take the extra 10 seconds to read the mirage. That's what I will be doing next time. So we're, it's good to have those experiences because that's how we learn. Yeah. That's, that's a real good point that I, I know for a fact I need to work on that because I've shot with Chad and Chris like, yeah, the Mirage switched on you halfway through. Like I had no idea because I wasn't paying attention to it. I wasn't looking for it. But yeah, it's definitely something I need to work on. That's a real good point. Yeah. Slow down, especially if you got two, you got two two minutes minutes, both days. You know, you can do it. You know, we we were all there middle, middle upper pack shooters. We got two minutes easy. So that was my lesson learned. Yeah, so for me, uh, like I said, on day two, I was shooting really well. Uh, I just come off this, it's called the Tony Hawk Trials, which kind of looked like is a positional stage with like a bunch of movement. And um, they were like wooden things that looked like skateboard. Yeah, ramps. like half pipes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <clears throat> but I had just cleaned that. I was the last shooter. Um, then I walked over to our stage 18, which is the final troop line. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, I got there a little bit late, but I was, you know, I had time to get my stuff together. Um, so just, I was like pretty excited to shoot it because it looked like a fun stage, like lots of um, just like wide spreads, you know, between targets. And I just kind of think that's Yeah, and like, I think it's fun. First target is 393, last target 845. So not like a huge spread. Um, so I got everything ready to go, lay down shoot my first round and it's like a mil and a half high i'm like dear lord i'm like 
maybe maybe just skipped off the top maybe i don't know that's kind of weird like i should have been able to hit that and shoot again goes to the same spot so when do you check your dope card i checked it after my very first shot and you're like oh it, it lines up I'm like, my dope card looks good my turret style everything's good i don't know what's going on <laughs> i have good equipment i'm like okay maybe just i don't know weird weird flute man i wrote down the first one wrong for whatever reason go to the next target um, it's just like a brush pile behind the target and I shoot, I don't see anything at all. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> like, yeah, oh no. it's a you're the super squad at this point and you've dropped, you've already missed two and you know, like, yeah, I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> so then it dawned on me the previous day, stage 17 was a troop line. And you think today is stage 18 is a troop line. So, you know, with even an odd things, I pull out my stray lock in the middle of the stage <laughs> and I realized yeah. that I wrote down all my dope for stage 17 for that stage 18 that I was shooting. Oh no. The so stage 17's dope will not work for stage 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause stage 17 starts at 620 and stage 18 starts at 393. Oh no. So I'm just like, frantically scrolling through my um so you have your stray, stray lock, lock in my hand in your hand while you're laying it. while you're laying down yeah while I'm oh laying my down. gosh and then i just dial the next target and hit it hit it hit and then i'm out of time so i got a three out of ten ah, dang i felt pretty confident i could have cleaned that stage so i was like i was pretty bummed at, at that point <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would hurt too well yeah so yeah. i was I was kind of more upset. I just didn't get to finish the shooting the stage, um, even not for points. I just, I just wanted to shoot it. You know, I probably could have asked, and they probably let me. But um. yeah. so with that mental mistake, did you going for the next, next stage? Did you recover mentally, or did you have? Yeah, did I you mean, do what I did. No, I did. I mean, I didn't do well on the next stage, but I don't think it was because. Okay. Of that. Yeah, you were able to mentally check out, and like I'm done with this, and yeah. move on. Yeah. That's cool. So you're talking about, so it's an active cattle farm. So there were, were there really any berms at all or was it whatever's behind it? Whatever's behind trying, it. You're trying to pick yeah. up. Yeah. Impact. yeah. Clay did a good job of putting like more natural berms. Um, Cause it is hilly out there. That's what, like I said, it surprised me. It is pretty and it's hilly and there's good terrain. Yeah. And so also we're all, all 20 stages, were they something different or where they split in half, like you'll see at some two-day matches where you shoot the same like prop, but different target variations or whatever, or were they all 20 completely different? Yeah. Completely yeah. different, all one through okay. 20. So some of the props were tires. Another prop was like an old car that you had to shoot off the fender and through the old busted out window. Um, what were some, uh, we had props that were, you had tank traps, you had a tree stump, there was a barricade, there was like, and cause I'm not like, there was some sort of pipe equipment from the oil pipe or something. I don't even know what to call it. It was huge. So that was fun. That was a fun prop to shoot off of. Um, you had the Tony Hawk half pipe thing. And then you had like a, what they called it an H brace. I don't know if that's the real name of it. It's just like a metal pole fence thing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, kind of like, a, I guess maybe for a cattle former cattle gate or something i don't know and they did have a uh, mover out there ah, too. the mover uh oh did they what was that what was the specs on that one so it was pretty cool actually it was only like 220 yards away and it's a coyote and which looked pretty big through your scope at that distance you know 
Um, yeah. So it was supposed to be um, recreating like a hunt that a real uh, life event that yeah. Tate uh, did. Tate and Clay, yeah, right out there. So yeah, so it was cool. You shoot like a longer distance coyote, like 565 yards, and then you come in close and you shoot the moving coyote like twice. Um, but what's interesting, so you're supposed to do it all. You're supposed to shoot the far away coyote from the tripod. So being in the gamer or the uh, <laughs> oh man, the, um, uh oh, super squad, super squad. Really. <laughs> um, we shot it all prone off the tripod, so you can make the tripod low enough that you can go prone, and then so yeah, so you just shoot, shoot long, and then come in close and shoot the mover basically from the prone to yeah that's not what my squad did yeah. the things you learn <laughs> the things you learn right yeah. yeah that was uh 12 rounds uh 12 points there um i got a seven but i typically like get pretty excited about movers and i start rushing so that's why i dropped some of my points was i was rushing and not getting a like a clear um lead i guess you could say like i was kind of rushing so but how did you, you got 11. You yeah. Did really good. Yeah, I did. So how, how did you? all prone. <laughs> <laughs> how did your squad shoot it then? Back at, were you up, standing um, up with a tripod and then go prone and then back up? And... Um, our squad tried to follow the intent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, our squad, uh, we had a mix that um, some did it. Our tripod was at the kneeling position. And um, we shared the tripod with a plate on it and a bag. Um, I brought my own bag. And so um, you could choose to go down in the prone and shoot the uh, mover. mover. Some then... guys did that. Um, or you could just stay all on the tripod, which is what I did. So we kind of have an, a mix. So, yeah. <clears throat> so you could, you always had to shoot the far coyote from the tripod regardless. But you go prone. For the mover. For the mover. But, yeah. yeah. So, did you guys dial? What two minutes did you guys um, dial or did you hold over? Ooh, ooh, I, I held over actually. Yeah. I don't have that on my notes, but I think I would, I think I would hold over the farthest, the far target was 565 and the near target was 220. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know if the, with the mover, but you guys, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'd do on that one. The good thing I think with a coyote though on a mover is you got extra wind because you got the length, right? Yeah. So you play that, but 225 isn't too far. How fast was it moving? Do you remember? Uh, I held about 1.2 mils. So yeah. I think it was about three miles an hour, roughly. Maybe a little slower. Yeah, it I seemed think pretty slow. it was slow, probably because it was a the coyote being so big, it was probably heavy on the track. I think my lead was like 1.4, but, um, but then again, when that coyote is so wide, you don't, what, what is the lead on that? Yeah, you right. have a lot of wiggle room. But I'll say yeah. what is interesting if you missed. So the, uh, the, the mover was on top oh. of a dam. So you're not seeing any splash. If you didn't see where you missed that. Thing. Yeah. So you better get on the first time, hopefully. Yeah. Could you guys tell where you're hitting or was it pretty beat up? Like, people were doing pretty good on that stage. It was pretty beat up. I couldn't really tell where I was hitting that well. Personally. I, I could not. And it's kind of weird with it being so close, too. It's like, man, it just, to me, anyways, it seemed like it just took up most of my scope. You know? um, yeah. 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 That is pretty close. 200 and something. Yep. Yeah. Even for a mover, it's pretty, pretty close one. 
And I just get excited anyways when I'm shooting oh. a mover, you know, I just want to bang, 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 bang. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get too excited to start jerking the trigger or whatever. Yeah. I love it. It's fun. <laughs> so how about, so anything else on, on day one, at least I wanted to, there's one thing I want to hit that I keep hearing about clay okay. smashes. Uh, anything day one. The food maybe. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I keep. That's all I hear about is everybody goes and basically shoots just to eat the food. It, so, it was amazing. <laughs> okay. Day one lunch. I've never really been much of a beef eater, but whatever that brisket was, amazing. <laughs> nice. And so, like homemade sweet treats and a corn on the cob. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Yeah. See, that's, I have not, I bet you I could search and I wouldn't find a bad review of the food at any of any of Clay's matches, PRS, NRL, whatever. I think he actually, he has family, his parents or family yeah. are the one doing the cooking for him. And it's, it's some sort of relative. And on day two at the evening for the award ceremony, we had prime rib, which was, amazing. it was delicious. Everybody loved it. And there was some sort of like apple crisp dessert. That was delicious. Yeah. Yep. Clay's going to make all these other folks shake up their game between brisket and prime rib some of the places you know you're getting a sam. the meals aren't bad but you're getting a sandwich club sandwich or whatever oh. you're getting brisket and prime rib <laughs> other people got to start stepping up their game for these match lunches and dinners yeah it was nice though like he gave his parents trophies yeah you know, for their so support and, it was um, like they, top top mom or yeah, number top, one mom yeah. number one dad and yeah that's cool that's cool it was really sweet to see how much you know family you know they they take care of each other yeah yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So stay, you guys have already went over some of the, some of the day two stuff. Anything from uh, else from day two that that you remember that you wanted to mention or caught you up or who who was in your who was in your squad in day two then? Uh, for me, yeah. Um, let's see here. It was uh, Austin Orgain, Carson Rutherford, Quinn Rogers. John Pinch, uh, Jeremy Wozniak, I think is how you say his name. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's um, oh, Ryan Moles. Ryan Moles, obviously. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Ryan was up there after day. Yeah, after day one, he was real. He was sitting real well after day. Yeah, one. for sure. So yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that covers everybody. I took a screenshot of the squad here. Oh. I'm just gonna refer back to it real quick, but just make sure I didn't forget anyone. Yeah, you're right up there with. With all the, the big names. No, nope. Isaiah Curtis too. Sorry, I forgot him. So, mm. yep. So Austin Regain, Roger or Quinn Rogers, John Pinch, Isaiah Curtis, Carson Rutherford, Ryan Moles, and Jeremy Wilsack. Dang. Yeah. How about you, Becca? You remember who's your, who's your um, I do not remember. I mean, if I saw those guys out shooting, I would. I would. I know the faces. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember the names. Yeah, um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I didn't know. If... <laughs> you'd remember it or if there are any local folks, but I'm not, I'm not sure even uh, how many local. I was not with local folks. Um, so they were all new, new guys I've not met before. So that might be, please forgive me. That might be the reason why I can't remember your names because they were all the first time I was hanging out with you guys. And um, yeah, but you, well, you said that they all talked to you. So it was all, it was, oh, yeah. it was cool yeah. shooting with them and afterwards and talking to them. For sure. And I think that's part of the hard thing. And maybe like Ryan can talk to that too, is like, even though we're in a competitive sport and we all want to win or do 
whatever winning means to you. Um, you can't be a jerk to the guy next to you. Um, you know, Ryan, you still talk about things. Um, you know, there's still every, it's inevitable. You're going to talk about the wind. Um, that's the key factor here. So it's trying to balance. Well, I don't want to give away my answers, but you know, I still like the guy and we're still having fun. Um, so it's a balance of that. Yeah. Ryan, any of those guys you had never shot with? Um, I hadn't really shot with any of them except for Ryan Moles, really. Yeah. yeah. And how was, how was you guys a squad? Everybody, everybody yeah. cool. Extremely cool. <clears throat> um, yeah, just like nonstop talking about the wind. Um, you know, it's, um, everybody was really generous with, um, sharing like how to do something. Um, like how do you think you're going to approach the stage? What piece of equipment do you think you know, I should use, um, what, uh, do you think the wind's about a four thirty right now? You know, just kind of just stuff like that. And <clears throat> I felt like it was like real, at least in that squad, like all business the whole time. Uh, it was just like, everybody's really cued into everything that's happening. Like on this TYL stage, I was the first one to go and all my rounds were going high. Um, and they picked up on that. Um, and then I think the next shooter, same thing happened. So it was, everybody was going high for whatever reason. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to shave a 10th off, you know, and yeah. go up next for the next guy. So it was just kind of pretty interesting. Um, always kind of, you know, wanting to know what the wind calls are going to be or like, where are you going to start off holding? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what, that's that balance. You, you're not yeah. a jerk. Yeah. It's like, well, this is what I'm holding. I can't guarantee you my zeros hundred percent because for whatever reason my rounds were always going more right than everyone else's it felt like that day so yeah, yeah that's what they are all in these two matches this year those two national matches that yeah like there was more talking that i'd ever seen <laughs> and everybody like you were saying but everybody got along i had one i don't think i told this story i had one squad at the punisher positional that when they walked because they came through that connex because I was doing the mover in the connex. Mm. They came through that connex from the other stage and they all left this one person. I won't name any names. This one person behind has like, all right, we'll wait for them to get here to, to do the stage brief. Well, come to find out I knew why, because that person they left behind ended up coming over. He's a Jersey shooter and everything sponsored obviously by a couple companies. And he wanted to know what everybody else scored, what everybody like, Oh, he, he, I think he was making it personal and these other guys were finally just fed up with it. Like I was their second to last stage for the day on day two and they were fed up. That's the first time I'd ever seen that you could tell they were upset with this guy. Dang. And they obviously didn't choose their squads or, or they got put in with, with that guy or that guy got put in with them. Cause the majority, I think it was seven or eight guys in that squad, like five or six of them were all wearing the same jerseys. They're all team shooters shooting together. And this guy was a Jersey shooter shooting on his own for some other companies and he's just kind of an a-hole about the whole deal. And I could tell just that one stage, let alone these guys put up with him for a day. But that's the first time I'd ever seen it. So that's why it's not that you'd call anybody out Becca, but that was the anomaly to me was this guy and the rest of his squad mates did not get along whatsoever. Huh. Um, I can call out one squad mate. I, I tried to, I found him on the Facebook to try to find his name because I can definitely remember his face. Um, I'll give a shout out to 
Daryl Bachman. Um, he's from Texas and um, first time I met him. So don't have any other history with him. And it was after, you know, I got the big goose egg and then I moved on to the next stage. So um, since I was, I was the last shooter on that next stage and it was on the car part or the car off the fender. So um, the rest of my squad had moved on. And to me, that doesn't matter. I don't really care. But uh, Daryl, he hung, he already shot. He could have left everything, but he stayed back with me. I think he knew that I was having a hard time. Or maybe that's the, and um, I thanked him for, you know, hanging back with me and watching me be the last shooter. And, and he stuck on glass, maybe just to help me out if I needed something. So um, it does, you know, I don't know. That just meant a lot to me that he kind of hung around and waited for me. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's cool. I, I had that same situation when I shot that one national match when I first started down there at Oklahoma at Keeley's. That I was I was in the super squad, didn't know it at the time, obviously. But, yeah, there were a couple guys, uh, Craig Ray and some of them guys that would hold out and watch glass and help me out afterwards. That would, It does. It means a lot because they were, you know, they were all in the top ten. I was in the bottom ten. But mm -hmm. yeah, a couple of those guys stayed after, and you know, trying to help me out as much as they could, other than pulling the trigger for me, because they could have done it better than I was doing it. But, but yeah, that that means a lot. So I have to give him a shout out. Just yeah, it's that one, the one squad I talk about. It, that's the first time I'd ever seen it, and ever even heard of anything like that. But usually, it's what I'm hearing. Like you're talking about Becca, that they're more than willing to help you out. Yep. Whatever they've got to do, stay around, help you pick up, whatever, chase your brass for you, do whatever. Yep, for sure. So that's cool. So uh, how'd you guys finish? So Clay's, Ryan, we kind of referred to how you finished, but in case people were watching you on the practice score, how'd you, how'd you end up? Yeah, I think it was 14th overall. Oh, me, I don't, I was like mid twenties, maybe, maybe further down than that. Do you remember? Was it 43 or something? Maybe so. I, I guess that kind of puts me mid midway you know through the list um my yes. it was my day two that ate my lunch so i, yeah. I could have been a little bit because yeah you know, we were only placement. like five points apart on right day, day one. one five points apart him and i um <laughs> so that's how you know back to the matchbook being written in such a way it gave the flexibility to the md on day two to spread out those points yeah yeah was that so i thought i thought you guys were pretty close after day one i can't remember it was I'm I'm one of the guys that come three o'clock, four o'clock. I'm looking on practice score to see if they've oh, listed yeah, yeah. for day one, you know, because I want to see where I want to see where people are at, but I wasn't able to get there or shoot it. So yeah, I thought you guys were pretty close. Ryan Moles was up there in like like second spot after day yeah. one. Yeah. You yeah, you both were up there. Like I was rooting for the local folks, obviously. So <laughs> yeah. Trying, yeah. Trying to wheel you guys up there. <laughs> It was funny because, like, I thought Rebecca was beating me oh. all day, day one. So I'm you like, always just, think I'm that. Like just trying to hang in there. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm glad I can help you win. Well, the thing is, everybody likes talking smack when your husband and wife team. They're like, man, you know, your wife, she just beat your ass on the stage. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, that like. <laughs> motivation, that motivation. I guess I just make it look better than you. Probably. I mean, <laughs> You could probably shoot a seven on something. I'll, sh I'll clean the stage and like you know your wife. She's really beating you today. <laughs> I'm like really. <laughs> yeah. I don't start, say anything. You guys start riding in separate vehicles. They're like, what? Aren't they married? Aren't they? Yes, <laughs> right now. We still get that, but yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. See, that's that's one thing I, I mentioned. We mentioned at the beginning, but I wanted to point out that you'll see it's not quite super squads, but couples or guys are shooting together all the time that. 
hell, they're shooting the same, the couples or the guys shooting together. Same load, same, basically just reloading together and sharing absolutely every piece of info. Mm -hmm. So, and not, I don't know how I say this politically correct, but Becca, you're competitive. Like you, you aren't, going, yeah. you aren't going out there just taking Ryan's info or anything else, but you aren't taking any of it. But no, I can tell no. every time you're out there to beat Ryan. So Ryan better watch out because you aren't, you aren't trying to help him out and he's not trying to help you out as far as giving info or win calls or. Correct. Or, yeah. It's completely my own win judgment. And we have tried to sh like practicing a practice day. We've tried to share win calls and data and it just doesn't work for us. I don't know if we just see things differently, like through our eye um, or the way you measure the wind or something. There's something different. <laughs> I, I look at her wind card. I'm like, I, I know that. you can <laughs> put our dope cards next to each other and you'll be like, what? Like they don't really, they don't line up. So there's something different between him and I that we just see differently. And I just don't even bother. I've even I mean, like shot her gun with right. her wind call and, and it doesn't work. And can't even hit the target. And then she oh, gets, really? like, uses right. the same thing and hits it. I'm like, man, you must be jerking that trigger oh. really, oh. Consistent, oh. really consistently every time. Be not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Here come the digs. <laughs> episode in the morning and you guys aren't going to be talking by the afternoon. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I think your astigmatism is just stronger than mine. Probably so. <laughs> oh, yeah. So on that, we talked about you guys info. So you guys have different dies set up for each gun. Yeah. And so everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's the same die, right? What is or, the yeah. die that we use? Proceeding. It's yeah. a reading. But it has a different, um, you dial the dial it differently than I do. see it. We see it at different depths. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you have the same die, but you use different settings on that die. Yeah. 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 So you guys aren't shooting anything the same other than powder and the right. kind of powder. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you guys are definitely doing it, doing it on your own. Cause I, Becca, you and I shot together when Ryan was off, he was shooting safari oh. or whatever. So yeah, you guys are definitely shooting on your own. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that's cool. I, you guys going out and doing it on your own, they split you up and you guys obviously didn't, didn't do bad on your own. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's real, that's real cool. Um, so the, I thought the price table, we'll just kind of wrap up with clays, which I think will kind of take us into the next question you had, Jared. Um, price table at clays was really generous. Um, they treated the ROs really good. I, I'm happy with the prizes I picked up. I mean, they're not high dollar prizes and I don't care, but you know, Hey, I got a really cool, um, like an NRL zip up, hoodie i got a t-shirt and i picked up some brass um there you go so but ryan picked up what um yeah it's a 50 percent off the uh mini gun plate from gray ops so yeah <clears throat> yeah we so here's one so bringing up price tables this has got me in my own little circles this has got me either heat oh. or <laughs> or not so you'll get We'll just get into it. We'll, you'll get people to say, if you're at the price table, if you're going for the price table, then you're going for the wrong reasons. Well, me being a newer shooter, I'm there for the price table to pick up something that I can use. Mm -hmm. So I think I already know where you guys are going to answer because we've been talking off, off the recording, but how do you guys look at it? You guys look at it as in, and there's some other episodes and other podcasts that the one Tyler Hughes that does Max Ordnance, he's, he's the Max Ordnance episode. If you guys don't listen to podcasts, listen to that. He's as down to earth as he gets, and he's, he's a top shooter. Mm -hmm. So where I'm going with it, he shoots for Le Leopold. He gets a severe discount off Leopold glass. 
Well, he calls out some of his teammates that shoot for Leopold Bizet. First thing they go pick up off the table is a Leopold glass with the intent to sell it. Oh, wow. Not, not to let somebody else sell it when they get a, a deep discount off of it. So that's what brings me to this is, do you guys go to the price table trying to pick up something to use or do you pick up something that's worth the most that you're going to go ahead and get on the hide and flip or wherever to try and get some money? Yeah, you usually get something to use or that someone else can use. Right, so we pick it both ways. Something, if it's, you know, Ryan's shooting well, hey, that gray ops, or, oh, I'd be nice to have a foundation stock. Yeah. So it goes both ways. So it'll be something for us, or it would be something that we have a buddy. Hey, I know he needs that. It's If we pick it up and we don't use it, it's not to sell and flip on the hide. I would, we've always given away free we've not sold a cert we've not sold something extra off the price table um i have a i don't know if i can share it but i i mean recently i have a pretty good story about a cert that i picked up and i gave i gave it to somebody on i gave the cert to somebody on sniper's hide who was looking for that specific item and he he was kind of like what you're just giving it to me I'm like, <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give it to you because you need it and i don't so like i'll pick things up with other people in mind yeah yes yeah my first uh, RO, I, I ro the Punisher in 17. So that was my first time really doing any two-day national match of any sort. And I watched Paul Reed, took one of his um, squad mates and let that person, which was a younger guy, walk in his place, which was like top 10, top 20, and pick something. And both the Milkoviches, Regina and her husband, let folks walk in their way. And I thought that was so cool because obviously they shot well, they had everything needed. I asked him afterwards, I asked Paul Reed, he, he seemed like he's a pretty cool guy. Like, why do that? Like, there was nothing on there that he, he needed that he could use. He has everything that he needs is what it come down to. Yeah. So, he let, so it was, it was super cool. And then I, I see other people going up there and getting stuff that was like, damn, he, he could probably, I think he shoots for them. Well then, Tyler Hughes on Max Orton actually brings it up after I was thinking about it. Like, yeah, that's pretty shit. Like he calls, he didn't call the person by name, but he calls the person out saying we get a super deep discount on that. Why leave it for someone else to shoot? So it's, mm-hmm. and I know I'll probably get some, some hate for it, but this always brings up, like I said, with any crowd that I'm in, it always brings up a, a rivalry as into which way you're thinking and what you're picking up off the prize table to just to resell. And some of the people are saying to recoup the, the cost of travel or entry fees or whatever, which I see that, but, but that's to me, that's usually the same people saying that if you're there for the price table, you're there for the wrong reasons. Well then why are you picking up stuff to sell? So I just want to say, I, like I said, I, I figured I knew where you guys were at. You talk about using the pro plate and obviously you mm-hmm. use that cert and you went and got it and you try it out. Yeah. Which brings me to, what do you think? Of the pro plate, your review. Um, well, I haven't really got to use it that much. Well, we used it at the team match at Medicine Lodge for KPRC. Yeah. And so we bought two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, see, that worked out for them. Then they put a cert on there and you end up getting two out of it. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I guess leading up to that match, you know, Rebecca wanted to use the foundation stock, my, my foundation stock. And so I was going to use her McMillan. Um, and so I was dry firing with her McMillan all week with the pro plate on it. So, but actually when we got to the match, 
I just didn't do enough grinding on her stock or something. I started getting some weird flyers when I was zeroing. So I went back to like uh, Chad Westoff, let me borrow his foundation stock for that match. So anyways, long story short, the pro plate, I wasn't really used to it on the foundation. So I oh, was having I trouble getting adjusted. So Because you had been practicing on the McMillan. Right. So it was like, what? So I was like pretty wobbly with it, oh. to be honest. Um, but it, Rebecca can speak more to it because she has more relevant right so we got two of them the pro plates and i love it like um number one i'm super impressed with like the machining and the quality of it um and so like ryan said i was dry firing all week with it and then um i shot the team match with it i love it um i think it gives you that extra like those extra few inches or centimeters off to the side um, just helps you have more of that surface contact with your bag. And I was, my positions that I created on like rocks, a culvert pipe, super solid on my positions. Um, I, I love that thing. And I, I plan to use it, you know, come up uh, going forward. Um, the only thing about it is it's not something that it's not a piece of equipment that I would like your bipods, you always leave your bipod on your rail. I would not leave it on because for me, maybe because I have smaller hands, it's hard to carry my rifle with it on. So it's like, if you need it, you put it on. If you don't need it, you take it off. Did That's you get it with, did you get it with the weight, the weights that come in it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And those things are super grippy. It's kind of weird. Yeah. The way that it's just machined yeah. makes it an interesting type of grip. Kind of reminds me of like, um, but it's not sticky. No, it's not sticky. No. It's just a grippy kind of. Yeah, but the weights have like, well, I wouldn't call them cleats, but they have. Yeah. Like reminds spikes like, yeah. machined into them. Right. It reminds me of like, um, like a meat tenderizer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when I look at it. But um, yeah, it like grips the bag like amazingly well. Like, you better make sure it's on there the way you want right. it because you're not like just going to. Oh, you're not sliding it? You're not going to slide around mm -hmm. on your bag. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole bag's going to move. So it's it's impressive. Uh, yeah, I might have, I'll have to hit you guys up with it and catch yeah. you out at one of the matches, do some extra afterwards or something. That's, that's what I was telling you off off camera for the listeners that it's been in my cart. I've taken it out. It's been in my cart. My cart's been out. I've taken it out. So, and it is, it is a bit pricey. Like it's, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's a must have, but if it's going to help me, then I'm, I'm probably going to, I'll probably end up with one. Yeah. We let Chad Westoff and Gary Westoff yeah. try it um, <laughs> while we're out there. And they were, they were really impressed. They're like, yeah. this is like shooting off a bench. You know, <laughs> yeah. Stapled, so. yeah. yeah I, I haven't heard any bad reviews on those either, but. I don't see how it couldn't help as long as you get used to it. And you, I don't think I wouldn't want to use it, show up at the finale that we're going to shoot at and I'd be trying to borrow it and use it. Oh, no. you know, you practice with it. I don't, I don't see how it hurts you at all. As long as it's not binding you up into some, if you're trying to shove it in a small window or something like that, you know? Yeah. True. But, that is a consideration that it does take. I mean, I don't know. It, gives you some height, like it on does. our barricade in the basement, the tallest position without it, I can, I can stand on my tippy toes and, and use the barricade at the tallest position, but with the plate on it, I cannot. So that is something to be aware of if you have a height issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, like, like low ports, like there's like a oh, low port. Yeah. If there's a small port, I, I I it's not going to work. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think it's like everything. Well, just like you talk about your bipods, there's sometimes you're not going to use them or you're even going to take them off because you're trying to shove in a port or shove out or stuff like that. So, yeah, it's got its time and its place, I think. But 
that brings us, you mentioned that brings us to the, the KPRC team match, which uh-huh. obviously Ryan's doing good again. Becca's, you guys are shooting well there. So what do you guys think of that? So it's kind of a, just to give listeners an idea, is is a team match, but it wasn't a team match kind of. Right. Your points were individual. You couldn't share on the clock. That's why I say is a team match. But you guys, you guys shared time. Correct. Right. So you, shooter one could host shooter two out of some time is kind of how the team – the way I've seen it, because I didn't go, the way I've seen it, reading it, that's how I saw the team part of it hooking up. Was there anything – you guys see anything different as far as the team piece of it? I think that's – yeah, pretty much sums it up. Yeah. This part. Yeah. Maybe um, – willing to share the wind call a little more, but. <laughs> yeah, we might have strategized a little bit more before. Yeah. What kind of strategy? Oh, uh, maybe just, can. did you get the same, I don't know, full value? Yeah, I right. mean, it wasn't sharing like what you're gonna hold, but mm-hmm. like just confirming like, hey, did you get like nine mile an hour on that yeah. or something? Um, and also, um, I guess we strategized in knowing like what. Oh yeah, like where? So like on that tree stage, for example, we had to shoot that. Oh yeah. By whoever listens <laughs> to the podcast knows about that. But like, where are you going to start and where are you going to end? Right. So I can know where I can start safely, you know, without flagging you, and I can start immediately after you're done. Shooter oh, two, yeah. Shooter two could build his position while shooter one was still shooting. So as soon as shooter one pulled that last shot bam shooter two was ready to go yeah that one i didn't think about that one because that one had part of the tree was out in front mm-hmm. so if you finished on the back well even on the front yeah that'd make it hard because you'd be flagging either the person would walk in front of you trying to get out of the way or you could be right. flagging so yeah that, that makes sense on that one for sure yeah so i want to make sure she finished in the back and then i right. would start in the back on the very far end and uh and just stuff like you know if i might be quicker right the movement stuff so maybe i would start last um that way i would just try to take up whatever's space is available so i'm slower than ryan so on the rocks i went first knowing that ryan could be faster than me and you still have enough time and not time out so as a team i think we did great we didn't time out at all as Uh a team i don't Mm -hmm. know how others did we didn't really ask but um i mean how did you feel as an individual shooter I uh, felt good. Um, we started on the Ram Brown Yoki or whatever. Oh. <laughs> that it was a stage that I complained about. Like it's a not really complained about, but uh, the stage I didn't you like the most. Hit the, you hit the tree. <laughs> I hit the tree at the NRL match on the last podcast we had. Um, yeah. So we started with that stage and I cleaned it. And I was like, I was like, man, I could <laughs> zero the rest of these stages and I'd be pretty happy today. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I guess it's because it was a club match. It was pretty laid back. I mean, I even went into it. Like um, I always hold my wind. I never dialed. So on like one of the stages at the team match, I practiced dialing my wind. So we kind of went into it with maybe like a little bit more relaxed mindset and that this is going to be a practice match. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to say we didn't take it seriously, but every, I mean, I would say everyone there was pretty um, easygoing. Like, I don't think anyone showed up be like, yeah, we're going to win this as a team. Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't know maybe. <laughs> yeah. I guess um, it was just a fun team match. I don't know. That's just... was interesting. So we shot a team match together, very similar format to this in 2018. Okay. When Rebecca was still new and I was still new. Uh, at Watts's match at Balboa, 
and learn some good stuff there. Oh, whereas yeah. like, you know, same thing, like we only have so much time to share. And I remember screwing Rebecca really bad on a stage. Like, I think I used like over two minutes, oh, and she only had 45 seconds left. And I was like, sure. huh, I hope I never do that again. You know? Yes. <laughs> you got chewed out for that. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, well, so what, is that, I think it was all the same stages as what you shot for the NRL match. Yeah, just a or little, almost all the same. Just a little different format on some of them. Like the on targets the, were the same, but then Mike Beamer and Ryan Moles just wrote it a little bit differently. So, like the tree stage, it was six positions, two shots each. Okay. Um, so they just kind of dialed it back, dialed it down um, yeah. for a club match. So what? Anything change on that? What you guys like the best, or? or didn't like for the team piece of it? It surprisingly went really slow. Yeah. I don't know. That's Yeah, that's – I was talking to one of the other guys, and I think I hit him up. It's, like I said, yeah. I, I, I spy on practice score to try to spy in and see what was going on. Yeah, I think I texted him at 2 o'clock. We're still shooting. And he said, still, we're still shooting. I was like, holy cow. Was there wasn't – there's 20 teams. Yeah, is that, that is, right. Is about that many? Yeah, yeah something, something like that. And I was like, oh, my. Still shooting at two o'clock. So yeah, it seemed like it was going, and that's what he replied back to me that yeah, it's kind of slowing down. Yeah, I don't know why, because I thought it was going to go twice as fast, really, <laughs> because like I feel like there is a lot of downtime when you in between shooters, and you're kind of taking that out. You're like cutting that in half, right? Uh, yeah, you think. Yeah, and it's actually less time per shooter because it was like three minutes and mm -hmm. forty seconds or something. I think it was less than that. Yeah, so. 3.30 on the time, maybe. So, but. I don't know. It's still it's almost like a weird uh, time traveling thing. Like, why is it taking so long? Like, yeah. But we only had squads of six. So you had six individuals. Which is almost in, like squads of three. Right, almost a squad of three. Yeah. So it's kind of that weird. The squad is too small, so you don't have enough people uh, helping with brass and, and moving yeah. out. I don't know. More. But, I mean, I don't have any really negatives or – or super extreme positive. I mean, my learning a positive was, you know, I had more practice in a match with the plate. That was good. Um, I did figure out how to dial wind because um, we want talking about, you know, if you're on a positional stage and you have one target, why hold, you know, six tenths of the wind when you can just dial it in um, and, and really focus on that center um, dot on that reticle. Um, so I learned that or felt comfortable with it. Is that, is that something you're going to stick with now? That's what I. That's what I try to do. I've heard. I've heard a lot of the same from folks yeah, that they I'm never gonna... dial win, but with one target, I try to dial win just so I can. Yeah, that center up, like no thinking about it. Just put the reticle in the center and then adjust from that holding. Mm -hmm. But correct. Yeah, I'm going to continue with that when there's like one or two targets um, because it's a lot when you're moving to your next position on like a barricade. Your eye can find that center a lot faster than trying to count like in that night force it's like you know two four six okay you know you can just it's amazing you don't you think it'd be the same but hmm. it's just that whatever that time is um you can do it a lot faster yeah how about you Ron? what do you do for wind do you, do um, you dial off a single target or you hold the whole time yeah i started dialing uh back at ryan's nrl match at the box canyon that's when i first started trying it and i really liked it a lot um yeah, it works good too. Like 
on like the deer vital stage where there's just two different distances too, like maybe they're only like a hundred, 200 yards apart, go and dial. And then it makes your holdover a lot easier mm-hmm. and a lot quicker too. Cause you're not having to hold and hold off in outer space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one that I think I, I read about it a year or two ago that your eye will try to center things up. Mm-hmm. So if you dial it and you only have one target, obviously if you have multiple, then it's different, but you'll just naturally your natural point of aim and everything else. Like you're going to try and center the crosshairs in your scope. You're going to try and center the, that center dot on your target. So it just seemed easier to me. And that's what, that's what I've been running with. Not that it's made me any better or any worse, but yeah, if I got one target, then yeah, it usually, you know, just like the PRS barricade, one target, different positions. I'll usually, if I have any wind, I'll dial it just to try and center it up and then, and then roll off that. But yeah, I know there, there are some people that say they'd never, never touch their wind at all. So that's how it was traditionally until just recently. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I like it. So I let Ryan be like R and D (laughs) research. So if it works for him, then I'm like, okay, then I think I'll give it a try. I don't take too much risk. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty good deal. (laughs) You've been good with with you and Ryan, whatever he tries out. I started doing the wind a little differently too at this match. Oh so. yeah, you want to talk about now? That? Are you are you doing it the same way as what you, Chad and I had talked about this, uh-huh. where we had seen you holding the the kestrel different? Were you doing it? Is that the same way you were doing? Or you're doing it different than that? Different than that now. <laughs> oh boy, so how R and D is still out. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, I'll, I'll wait for the final verdict because I was debating on going the way you guys had been doing it because uh-huh. I saw Chad doing that and said he'd talk to you. So I'll wait for the second. I'll wait for this version. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's called the crosswind. It's nothing fancy. Yeah. Don't be. <laughs> if, if you've ever, if, if you have a Kestrel, um, there's like the crosswind feature. So it, it's just kind of nice. Cause like you can, uh, you just point it at your target to get like the heading and then you just point the, um, Kestrel directly into the wind and it gives you the effective crosswind value. Okay. So was, it, was that with the update with the Kestrel update? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I so. I don't think it's think old. So. I think oh, it's no. 14 or something. Okay. So I was like, hmm. So I just tried it and it's just kind of nice. So it just still allows you to run that 90 degree wind all the time, but it does the math for you on like the actual wind value and the mm-hmm. direction. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll have to get with you and see how it works out. Yeah. Hit you up with the, hit you up with the finale. I have to make, start making a list of questions for the both of you. <laughs> yeah. Hit you after the finale is done. But so What'd you, what'd you learn from the KPRC map? Well, where'd you guys finish at? So as a team, we finished first. Yep. Uh, got some, got some mugs. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. have it on the table here? Oh, oh, yeah. the yours can't see. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice, um, Yeti, like, uh, can, uh, you know, a pop koozie type thing. And, um, Ryan always does a Ryan Moles always does a really great job of like customizing it. So I think it's powder coated and it has the twin peaks logo on it. And, you know, the team, there you go. That thing's pretty – yeah, Ryan always does some cool – well, he had the coolers, and he's had the water jugs, and oh, nice. He even has the KPRC team match. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Ryan Moles, you know. Having, like, things like this as a shooter, this, to me, is super fun. Um, coolers, koozies, this is great. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Like, the military is the kind of same way. They give you awards. Well, something that's going to sit on your desk or on your wall. Give me something I can use and kind of show off. You know, people yeah. you're walking around with it like, oh, what is that? What I is think it? Beamer uses his water jug. Like, that's that's yeah. cool stuff that you can use instead of just not just, but instead of something you just hang on the wall. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Ryan always comes up with some cool stuff for his. 
And then I placed seventh overall on that team match. Nice. So yeah, it's top ten. Yep. First place. First place as a team. You guys did. You guys did pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. Yep, it was a fun day. It was really fun. Yeah. So, and we're going. We're going back out there for the finale. But I think we're shooting the other side probably for the finale. The other side of the highway. Um, which I think is the north north side of the highway. Is that right? I thought that's what they said we were going to do, which is where we shot this match. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it? Oh, shooting the north side? Yeah, it's probably going to change it all up then. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to try and get out there over the weekend, do some more dialing. We were talking about off off camera, but what – getting off. What did you guys learn from this match? Anything changing? So you're using a new wind method possibly. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I learned a lot through that. It was fun. It was uh, – it proved out every single time. Yeah. Actually, it was weird. So. Yeah, well, it obviously didn't do too bad. You were at the top of the top yeah. of the list, so yeah. something's going right. Yeah. And Becca, you said you played with that the pro plate, so yeah, you're, gonna keep, you're gonna keep going with that. Yep, for sure. Keeping with the pro plate, just adding to that is that it's very lightweight and it's easy to take on and off. Um, so I can put it in my pack and it doesn't take a lot of room. So that continue that and just dialing my wind and then. Um, uh, I've been dry firing a lot, and I'm like terrible. I'm a lazy shooter. I'm terrible at dry firing, but um, I've been really dedicated lately, even before Clay's match and then before the team match. Being dedicated at dry firing has really helped me a lot. It has helped me greatly with target acquisition. Um, I was a little bit slow on that. So um, uh, for the team match, or I'm sorry, for the KPRC finale, I'm going to get back into my dry firing habit, and um, I hope that that will pay off for me. And you used foundation this uh, match too. Yeah, I did use the foundation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. So you so what you used Ryan's foundation, but you just swapped your gun into it. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was that was cool. So. Now what what were your uh, what's your judgment? Judgment uh, still out? Or are you, are you making the swap? Or still undecided. Um, I feel like I'm okay for the KPRC finale. I'm going to use my McMillan stock. Um, go back to that and just kind of maybe that'll kind of give me a, a comparison, but um, still undecided. So more testing to be done. There you so see you're running R and D too. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh-huh. my own way. <laughs> <laughs> so what did uh, oh for your dry fire? What are you guys using for dry fire? You're using one of the DST deals that you put on the end of your scope, or what? Did, yeah. You guys using anything at all? Uh, we use the it's it's an older one. It's like the IOTA, the indoor optic training aid which is just like the DST or whatever that is. A lens, it's a lens you put over the end of your scope. Yeah. and yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. D-fat or something like that. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm using. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it helps out. There's, there's no real replacement, I think, for sending rounds down range, but I think it's about as close as you can get for sure. as far as, and Becca, I can, say the same thing as you, like I get some lazy trigger pulls or some, Yeah. and I, I notice it in here, but you talk about trying to make, you know, perfect practice makes perfect. So I, and I'll see myself bounce or I'm pulling the trigger trying to get to the next one. So yeah, just trying to slow down, follow through. Like my follow through is real bad. I'll hit the trigger and get my finger right back off of it. So that's what I've noticed at least with me dry firing is, is really with the follow through and trying to wait and imagine the impact, like staying in the scope, staying fingers on the trigger, still trying to hold it even after the shot, still hold that on the, on the target with, with that uh, dry fire piece of it. And we'll see if that makes a difference or not. It's been a while, but yeah, I think I was wondering, I was wondering what you guys were using. 
Um, we so also use a shot timer as well. Shot timer has been huge help. That's Chad's, Chad's brought that up. He said you guys got a nice shot timer. It picks up the dry fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. He sent me a, a screenshot. I looked it up or it sent me the brand. Yeah, it's cool. So it's extremely helpful because it, um, I don't know, lets you kind of train more like so you can track your performance in a way. So, and kind of lets you know, like I have more time than I realize. So that has helped me a lot. Kind of just take it like just two extra seconds is like a lifetime, you know, when you're behind the gun. So yeah. you take those two extra seconds for an extra breath mm-hmm. or to settle in and you can really shore things up, I guess, you know? Yeah. What have you used it as far as like tech target acquisition on your first, like when you sit down on a barricade, how long it takes you to get that first round off? What have you guys found there? Yep. So um, I can be pretty consistent uh, in about eight to nine seconds from standing to getting in position and squeezing the trigger. But I think 10 seconds is really a good sweet spot. Uh, it gives you just like the extra bit of time, you know? Yeah. That's about nine. Uh, yeah, I'm about nine to 10. Um, yeah, that, that's what I've like. I, eat, I listen to all these podcasts. So VP Precision, that's that's Pence and Vibbert, and that's what they said. They use one, they use it live, live firing, but they said 10 to 12 seconds is what they try to get max 12, 10 to 12 seconds. And then they actually play out their their stage by that. If they got a bunch of movement, they, they figure 10 seconds to get set up. So that's how they kind of cut it down, and they know in their head they've got 10 seconds to make these shots. 10 seconds to make these shots, depending on how much movement. That's what they they said they found is is a sweet spot is 10 to 12 seconds to get your first impact. So take the time to get on there and get solid. But yeah, yeah if you, you guys are obviously over that, so there's some there's some fidelity to it if, if that's what you guys are finding too. You know? I agree. For sure. And I think it I think all this kind of originated back from like Paul Reed, the 11 second drill. If you ever check that out. Yep. So yeah. I think that is about, yeah, anywhere from 10 to 12 seconds. So I think if you can go faster, if you can get in position quicker, you know, it gives you more time to get settled in, you know, like the faster you can get in your position. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So yeah, see more R and D. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely helping out. So I really, really appreciate that. So any, uh, well, what's your, your next match? You guys KPRC next KPRC is next and nothing else is on the calendar after that. Um, I've heard some chatter about maybe some things popping up here and there, but we'll kind of wait and see. Yeah. Well, this year it's kind of everything canceled. I know NRL already changed their stuff to yeah. what well, finale's in like in, in the summer this year or some or 2021. So there might be some more matches pop up, but yeah, yeah, kind of threw us off, but yeah. KPRC finale, I think the majority of well, everybody I've had on here, Chris and Chad and, and you guys, I think that's all our next match that we plan on shooting at. Yep. And then it starts getting cold. So yeah, <laughs> uh, not real yeah. keen on, you know, wearing gloves and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely getting cool out. Yep. Uh, so anything else to add, you guys have any other shout outs or anything else you add? Like I said, I appreciate you guys coming on. You guys really, really helped out. There's a lot of good info on this one. I think people are going to get out of it. Cool. I don't have anything to add. I mean, having these two day matches kind of back to back box Canyon and then clays, it, it really adds to that. Um, we talk about our experience bank um, and Ryan kind of thinks that's maybe why he got first at the club match, not saying that the club match is similar, but maybe on a mental note, um, we were just really dialed in. Yeah. Well, 
I think we talked about this before, but I think it's muscle memory. With, well, I don't know if you guys, it's, it's your local range, but with my local range being shut down right now, I think it, the more we talk about, the more rounds you're sending down range, the more comfortable you are, you just get into your groove. And yeah, you guys shooting, if your matches are where you're practicing other than dry firing, then yeah, you start getting in the groove and then you start feeling it, you know? So yeah, yeah, definitely congrats on that. You got, you guys are both killing it. Thanks. So see how the finale goes. You guys yeah. at the top, at the top of that, that'll be exciting. Plus getting everybody back together. Yes. Shooting to be fun, you know, for sure. Unless you guys have any parting shots, we'll go ahead and get off here. No. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks again, Becca. Thank thanks. you.